Your love for God will make you stay. Your love for God keeps you from backsliding. Your love for God will make you grow in your Christian life. Your love for God will help you continue in serving Him, even if life is getting tougher. And let me begin with a short story. It happened really quite long ago. And many, uh, in the story says, many years ago, when they used to heat their homes with coal, a little boy declared that he loved his mother with all his strength. He was asked to explain what he meant by with all his strength. And then he said, well, I'll tell you. You see, we live on the fourth floor of this building, and there's no elevator, and the coal is kept down in the basement. Mother's busy and all the time, and she isn't very strong. So I see to it that the coal box is never empty. I log the coal up four flights of stairs all by myself. And it's a pretty big box. It takes all my strength to get it up here. Now, isn't that a loving my mother with all my strength? Isn't that a good, uh, wonderful illustration? Especially it ties into our subject this evening. And let me, um, open, uh, let me read to you a um, portion of the scripture in Matthew chapter 22, if you have your Bibles with you. And uh, we will be reading verses 34 to 40, and a very familiar passage. And uh, we will discuss in connection to the subject, what a loving heart can do for a loving God. Now in Matthew chapter 22, if you're there, in verse 34, the word of God says, But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest, the, the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now you have heard already the story, and in, in the passage that we have read here, that we, we are told that the loving God, um, we have told that we have a loving God, and in order for us to love Him, we would love Him first, and this is the great commandment according to the passage that we have read. And why is it a great, um, uh, the first and great commandment? Well, because it is a very important commandment given to us by God to all people. And because it is necessary for all acceptable praises and obedience. And before you can go do something uh, for the Lord, you have to question yourself, do I really love God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind? 
But what does it really mean? Because we live in a world today where love is no longer what the Bible says, but it's just a feeling. If there's something that feels good, many people would say that is love. However, feeling, feeling good about some, somebody does not necessarily constitute love if we look into the Bible. Love in the Bible is tightly connected. It is tightly connected to knowing and doing for someone, spe- specifically knowing and loving God and, do- uh, and doing what He wants. For example, His commandments, His will. Now, if we say we love God, what are the things we should be doing in, in our lives for the God who loves us? And that's a very legitimate question. Or what can, a, what can a loving heart do for a loving God? And we will find out this evening. And before we go move on, let's commit the, uh, this service to the Lord. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for wisdom. We ask for uh, enabling of the Holy Spirit. Lord, give us a receptive spirit, a receptive heart and especially wisdom and understanding um, with regards to what we are going to um, hear from your word this evening. I do pray for power. I do pray for revival of our hearts. And this evening, as we look into uh, the passages that we were going to um, tackle this evening. And so I do pray, Father, that you will bless our service this evening. And we commit to you all these things in Christ's name. Amen. What can a loving heart do for a loving God? Now first, a loving heart means you will purposely love Him. You will purposely love Him. And you would probably would think, kind of redundant if you, if you would tell me. Well, if you go with me and turn your Bibles to Psalm 18, because I will let you really see what, um, what do I mean by you will purposely love him. And especially this psalm is written by King David. And the Bible says that David is a man after God's own heart. And we can see here, in the first three verses in Psalm 18, he said, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved. From mine enemies. Now you can see really here that David is telling us that it is his resolve. And when you see two phrases there, I will, it is a resolve to love God based upon the consciousness of God's love to him. Now that's a really good principle because you you love God. Because he first loved us. And that's what the Bible says. When you love God, you will purposely love him. 
And this disqualifies the notion, the notion of that, that love is just something you feel good about. Many hasten to say that they love God, but they only, but they only love God in their mouths, but not in their hearts and in their lives. So you can see in this, in this passage we have read, it describes what a loving heart can do for a loving God. And we will go later on in the New Testament and looking to some um, um, additional principles and truths that we can tie in into this uh, section here. So it describes a loving heart, uh, a loving heart that can do for a loving God. And there are three things involved here. When you purposely love God, first thing, it involves knowing Him intimately. I know you have... Um, some of uh, many of you are already married knowing intimately knowing your husband or wife it's really connected to you and and for me as well so when you love god you will find a way to know him more um I, let me give you an example in psalm 42 verse 1 the, the word of god says as the heart Panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Another verse in Psalm 70, 73, verse 25. Psalm 73, verse 25. Whom have... Psalm 73, 25. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there's none upon, upon the earth that I desire beside thee. Another one in Psalm 84, verse 2. Psalm 84, verse 2. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. So you can see these are just a few um, examples. Um, with regards to really a, a person who loves God will really purposely know him intimately. Now, going back to our, our, the passage in Psalm 18, David describes his love and longing for God in many metaphors in, the, uh, in these verses that we have read. Like, for example, rock, fortress, buckler, horn, and high tower. It is interesting to note that uh, he uses a possessive word, my. My, like for example, my strength, my rock, my horn of my salvation, my high tower. In all of David's distresses, he wants to say to us that even he will run for his life because of King Saul, he would run for his life because of many distresses in his life. He would like to say to us that he found there in the midst of those distresses. And that's a great confidence for, for a person. And it's the same for you and I, beloved. When you intimately know God, you can confidently say that in those distresses, God is my strength. God is my rock. God is my fortress, my deliverer, and so on. And however, 
I would hasten to say this, that you can know intimately God unless you have a relationship with Him first. No matter how you go to uh, listen to preaching, no matter how you go to churches, very, you're, you're very, um, very religious, you pray to God, that's all good. But the Bible says that you can know Him intimately if you have a relationship with Him first. So if you're here listening to this preaching and you know that you have no relationship at all with Jesus Christ, I challenge you and I, I encourage you to settle that first in your life. But of course, to those who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, you know that it is for us as Christians that we know God intimately. Now, beloved, how well do you know God? Can you go through life's dangers and distresses and confidently say that God is there? You know that He is there. This is a very important reminder to us because when God allows trials, right? God allows trials in our lives. Do we really see Him there? Or do our problems seem big? Compared to our big God and almighty God. That's a very good reminder. So not only it involves knowing him intimately. But a second, when you purposely, when you love God, you purposely know him by knowing him intimately. But also it involves trusting him. And look with me in verse 2 of the same Psalm, Psalm 18. He said there, I will trust. Giving, giving us the idea that God, he always trusts God. And when you purposely love God, you will trust him with all your heart. Now, the, we have a very good passage for that. And it's a good reminder for us in, in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine, unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. So you see, it means that you choose him above others and anything else, and you depend on him alone. You trust him with all your life, with all your plans, your decisions, your finances, health, and circumstances in life. That's how you really, would you, would you picture, you would describe your trust in God. In Psalm 23, verse 4, Yea, though I walk to the, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You see that trust of King David? Because he knows his God really well. Now it is a mistake to trust the things in this world rather than God. And a loving heart will always trust God. Even when times are tough. But the last um, connected to knowing God or loving God in a purposely way is that not only it involves knowing him intimately, 
It involves trusting Him, but also it involves calling upon Him. Now in verse 3, uh, b- back to our uh, a passage there in Psalm 18, it says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. Now it looks like David just called there for help when he was in distresses, but it gives us the idea there in context that he always call, calling to God. He is always there. Uh, God is always there. And therefore, in every circumstance in his life, he calls often to God. And a Christian who loves the Lord will always manifest a heart of prayerfulness. Prayer is not hard. It's not a hard thing to do to those who love God. Now, E.M. Bounds, a great man of prayer in 18th century, said, Prayer should not be regarded as duty, which must be performed, but rather as a privilege to be enjoyed, a rare delight that is always revealing some new beauty. Not only that, a Christian who loves God will result a life of praise. And you can see that in verse 3 as well. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Now, most of it, many times you can see men praise uh, people who, who have beauty and um, they have great minds and great talents and all the things that they have done. But what are all those intellectual attainments of men compared to the infinite mind of God. Just, you know, in comparison to that, it's nothing. A loving heart, uh, for God sees all these things, talking about the men's uh, intellect, it's nothing compared to who God is. So do you see it? To say you love God does not mean just saying you love God. Because anyone can say that actually, right? So loving, so a loving heart will purposely love God. And that's what I meant with the first point that we have. By knowing him intimately, by trusting him fully, and calling upon him daily. Now secondly, a loving heart means you will Keep his commandments. Now this truth. There's a lot here in the New Testament. And let me draw your attention in John chapter 14. Verse 15. And even the Lord Jesus Christ said it to us. In John 14 verse 15. If ye love me. Keep my commandments. Loving God. And keeping his commandments, like his word, are things inseparable to each other. We have to understand that. That when we say we love God, it always be kind of expected. It's always expected to a Christian person that you will keep God's commandments. A Christian who loves God keeps his word. And the one who does not keep his word does not love him. And 
Um, let me read to you 1 John chapter 2, verse 5, the very good passage there. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Very, very clear with that passage there. So loving God then is not something just, just uh, feels good. If you feel or you feel nice uh, sitting or listening to the preaching, it's not like that. So it is rather trying to do what God, uh, what pleases God and what makes God happy. You really see that passages. First John chapter 3 verse 22 says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Now that verse that I just read uh, is actually connected with prayer. And it gives us the idea that God answers prayer or prayers because of obedience and doing what he pleases. And we know in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, we don't have a time to read there, but in Hebrews 11 6, it gives us uh, the principle there, a truth that the only way that we can please God is by faith. By faith. And hence, obedience to God's word should be done by faith. So a loving heart not only will purposely love God, but also will keep His commandments. Will keep His commandments. Now last and the third, a loving heart means you will always be faithful. Now for that, I would like to direct your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. I love this verse, and that's why, especially if, if you're reading the Bible, if there's something like struck into you, you'd always make note to that, right? And, and you, you, you would um, put a mark onto it and uh, write something about it. And uh, really, here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then... We're all dead. Now, in order for you to understand the point um, through this verse, you need to see the and understand the whole book. And we don't have uh, really a whole time of discussing the the what are the things here in Second Corinthians, also connected to First Corinthians. But um, just give you a short um, kind of um, a background here and connect in connection to the point that we have, that a loving heart means you will always be faithful. There were Christians in Corinth who questioned Paul's intention when it comes to preaching the gospel there and doing his service for the Lord, for the people in the church. Now, in addition to that, there are people who persecuted him with the intention of killing him. But Paul, what he did is, he, he's, he's not angry with those people, but he continued to serve God because he understood the love of Christ in his life. 
That's why he said here, for the love of Christ constraineth us. For him, at least the, the very least that he can do for what Christ has done in his life is to give his life also for the cause of the gospel of Christ and for so that men and women will know and will hear the gospel. He would always travel around the then known world so that people will, will hear the gospel. He will give his life for Christ. This compels him to be faithful in serving God. And that's why a loving heart really means you will always be faithful. When you love God, you press on. You will always be faithful in your relationship and service with God. You're, when you love God, um, your love for God will make you stay. Your love for God keeps you from backsliding. Your love for God will make you grow in your Christian life. Your love for God will help you continue in serving Him. Even if life is getting tougher. A very famous missionary, Hudson Taylor, many of you know him. He was interviewing some young people who had volunteered to the Lord's service. He asked several, several practical questions to, to find out how well qualified they were for the life they were anticipating. And Hudson Taylor asked them, and why do you wish to go as a foreign missionary? That's a very good question, right? And one replied, I want to reach out, reach others across the sea because Christ has commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Very, very good answer. Another said, I want to go because billion, uh, millions are dying without ever having heard of Jesus. The only one who can save them. And others have uh, similar answers um, to those uh, two guys here. And Hudson Taylor looked at them thoughtfully for a moment and and said, all of your motives are good. But I fear they will fail you in times of severe testing and tri uh, tribulation. Especially if you are confronted with the possibility of having to face death in your testimony. The only motive that will enable you to remain true is stated in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 14. Christ's love constraineth you. And you will keep you faithful in every situation. Now in life, there will be trials. If you're a Christian, you always anticipate this. There, all, there will be trials. So you won't anticipate this as well. Hardships. And persecutions. People will hurt you. And stab you in the back. 
Satan will discourage you. And you may even face death because you choose to serve God. And the only motive that will enable you to remain true is your love for God. Now this evening, these are only three examples and of what a loving heart can do for a loving God. And I know if you read through all the books of the Bible, there are lots of truths that we can cover in this theme. But I pray that you consider these three truths that we've learned tonight and evaluate how we are doing when it comes to our love for God. A Christian who loves God will, will purposely love Him by knowing Him more and more, like knowing His character and promises and experience them in life. By trusting Him with, with your life and with all that you have. And by spending time with Him in prayer and thanksgiving and, and thanking Him, for all he has done. A Christian who loves God will keep his commandments because love, because love for God and obedience are inseparable in, Christ, in a Christian life. God's will for our lives is to obey him and to do the things that he pleases. And a Christian who loves God will remain faithful to him no matter what life brings. Now in Proverbs 31, 12, we'll not read that passage, but it's a good reminder and a kind of uh, encapsulates our thoughts here. And we are to be like the virtuous woman toward God, that she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. When you love a person, you will not think or do evil to him or to her, right? Well, my wife is here, and, and she knows that I love her. It's almost three years now that uh, we've been married, and, and if I do something not good to her, um, I, I can't live myself. But I always try to do good to make her happy. And so we will try not to do evil against a person whom we love, right? For example, being ungrateful to God should not be in our lives as Christians if we say that we love God. One preacher said, one of the great tragedies of human spirit is to become a prisoner of ingratitude. For ingratitude shuts the human spirit up in a world lightened only by self, which is no light at all. God gives us everything. Every strength, every breath, health, family, place to live, job, salvation, all of it. It's only right to give thanks to him every single moment of our lives. Another example, an ingratitude, ungiving heart should not be in our lives as well if we say we love God. And someone said, a lack of generosity refuses to acknowledge that your assets are not really yours, but God's. 
when it comes to giving, many people have closed ears or pretend they don't know that all things they have come from God. And the Bible teaches us that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God Himself exemplified it for us. And when I say giving, I'm not talking only money here because you can give God your plans, your time, your talent, your children, and there's a lot more to give to God. What a loving heart can do for a loving God. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.